from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. You're listening to Behind the Message. Each week we go behind what we teach here at Westside. I'm Evan Eworker, and Ben Fleming is on vacation again this week. Come on. <laughs> I know. So we have in his place Pastor Casey Parnell. Hey. Hey, Casey. Uh, and the yeah. preacher of the week, Pastor Steve Mickle. Preacher of the week. Hey, Steve. And, and the preacher of the church, really, you know? Well, we got a lot of them. That's true. Which I'm really glad for. quite a bit of. That's true. Yeah, I, only how- preach, I only preach less than 60% of the time. People <clears throat> sometimes ask me, here's a behind the message, right? A little mm-hmm. tidbit. Um, people often ask me, why do you, why do you not preach more? And, and, uh, um, and one, I've found that... Uh, uh, when I preach, I usually try to do like three in a row, two to two or three in a row. And I found that the first one I preach in that in a seg- segment of three is is really good. The second one, yeah, it's it's okay. The third one is like really we didn't have anybody else, and uh, and so <laughs> uh, you can only imagine ten in a row. Right, what so that's preaching less like. uh, makes me a better communicator, and I think also for our team. And then that the the other thing about it is that there are other communicators, and um, I think churches that revolve around one communicator is they're missing. Um, they're, they're missing uh, another segment of what God wants to say in a different way through a different voice, and I love that about our church. Do you think? Do you think people appreciate the variety of speakers, or do you think people think, "Oh, I wish Steve would do it most of the time"? I think that I get. I still get. Oh, I wish Steve would preach um, more. I still get that. But um, people that hang out at West Side, if they decide to stick. Um, I found that most of them stick because one of the reasons is because of the variety. Mm. Um, they do like having different voices. They like having uh, women voices. Um, not all churches, uh, shockingly to me, uh, still there's churches that don't believe in women in the pulpit. And um, I am a firm believer that we need to have uh, more voices uh, from women uh, speaking to us uh, rather than less. So. So anyways, I think it's a positive. I think people stick around um, for it now, um, and they know that that's who we are, and, and they appreciate it. Yeah, and it takes a while to build that culture, right, Steve? Yeah. I mean, if some yeah. uh, pastor's out there, he's preaching 95%, and he has a couple guest speakers a year. Yeah. Ken Johnson, the former guy, did um, took uh, probably five years, Casey, to transition into a teaching team um, where mm-hmm. he was preaching the 90% of the time, and then the next year he was preaching, you know, 75% of the time, and then the next year, you know, 65% of the time. He just It just takes time, and it takes time to build up a team of people that that yeah. that um, you can trust just to be in that pulpit and, and, and bring the Word of God, and so um, not every church has that either, and so I feel really blessed that we have that. And it takes time for the church to not feel like there's just strangers up there they've never seen or heard. Like you got to build relationship with the church with this, all these different people, yeah. and that takes time too. Because I agree, like if if I'm if I have a home church and every week there's somebody I've never seen before, that gets a little frustrating. But over time, um, you yeah. know, it's that true. speaking I mean, team becomes known. Yeah, and I decided that um, when we when I became the lead pastor about four years ago, that Pastor Bo and I would do seventy five percent of the preaching together, um, and that's the the bulk. Um, and the other twenty five percent are you, Casey, Corey, um, and Jim Stevens, a few others, um, but not very many others. Yeah, you know, on the weekends, we feel like that's just for that reason that it's good for the church to have consistent voice. Um, yeah, and we've worked really hard to build culture and DNA around the speaking team so that people are saying similar things every series. And you, know, you can go behind the scenes even more here. We have a, a speaking team that meets every week and talks about messages eight weeks out. 
and uh, gives ideas and input and runs theolo- you know, theological concepts by each other and that kind of thing. And so it's it's a really healthy culture at this point. It's so good. to yeah. have Those meetings are my favorite during the week where um, a team of about 15 people or so get to um, poke at, um, ask questions of, um, add content to um, the messages that not only I'm preaching, but everybody's preaching. Yeah, I feel like some of my best points in messages have come out of asking questions that I don't know the answer to yet in, in those meetings. Absolutely. Because um, yeah. sometimes those are the things that other people are also asking, and it's the conversations that come up out of that, you know, from Pastor Bo or yourself or even some of the guests we have in that meeting that can really enlighten what the topic is. Yeah, and it's is. intergenerational group. It's not just uh, people in their 40s or 30s. Or, you know, there's people in their 60s at a 10. There's people in their 20s. I love it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Well, this past weekend, um, you gave a message on the goodness of God, uh, which I think can normally come off a little bit of a bland topic. And I've talked about this before, but yeah. the, the more mm-hmm. um, overarching uh, we get in our topics, sometimes the less potent they become. Right. Um, and yet, I think because of what you've walked through uh, in the last 14 months, uh Talking about the goodness of God definitely has an edge to it. Man, it's a huge issue for me. I I struggled. I have struggled with, is God good? That question has haunted me uh, over the last 14 months. And um, I'm still getting to a place where I feel good about the answer that I'm coming to, but I've come to some answers, and I feel good about that because it's it's um, just like I talked last, week, last weekend about trust. Um, you can't trust God unless you believe he's good. And, and and if you don't believe he's good, you're not going to trust him. And so we've got to figure out, um, we, we got to wrestle that one to the ground. Do we believe God is good? And is he good sometimes, all the time, um, half the time? Is he good depending on how I am? Is he good if I'm good? Um, is he good if life isn't good? Um, all those yeah. questions I have wrestled with, and some of those we tried to answer in this message. Is there a difference between God being good and God acting good towards us? Are those yeah. two separate things? For me, it's been two separate things um, because I don't think in his view there's two separate things necessarily, Evan, from what I read in Scripture, but in my perception and experience, they are. What I realize and what I talked about this last weekend is God is good, period, full stop, that's it. I mean, we either have to believe what he says in the Bible about himself or not, and he says that he is good in his very nature, his core, his being is good. There is no evil in him. So if we believe that, and then my experience doesn't match up to that, why then do I go back and question God's goodness, which I have? And I think he's okay with that. But at the end of the day, in my own journey, I've gotten back to that reality that, wait, 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 wait. Okay, my life hasn't been good as I would define it, goodness, but he is. Yeah, and it, yeah. And it's easier to say in good times, well, God is good because right, of it's course. Just so good, right? Yeah. You're, <laughs> life you're is good and conf- God is good. And, man, my wife <laughs> is good and, and you know, food yeah, is good. This yeah, food but, is good. But yeah. you've been confronted with this uh, really jagged edge. Um, like many, everyone will experience so many, this in their yeah, life. Uh, exactly. The badness yep. is what, uh, in this life, the suffering, yep. uh, the hardship, that's what makes you go, now is God good? That's where this truth has to it work its way through our, our person, our soul. Yeah, and why, we why, do we, why do we assume that a human experience somehow defines who a supernatural 
infinite God is. My finite experience of sadness and grief, how does that define an infinite God? It can't. I mean, but yet we do that because we're human and this, what else do we do? I mean, we don't have any, what else do we grab onto? You know, I just gotta, I gotta have answers to my questions. And so we, we just start saying, well, God must not be good. And in, 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 in doing that, we're lying to ourselves. We're trying to, we're trying to make our, we're trying to make God line up to our circumstances. And uh, he just is out of that. He's not, you know what I'm saying? He's, he's above that. He's in it. He's in our circumstances, but his character is good at its core. Well, and if he's the standard of goodness, I, th- I think about um, somewhere in Europe, there is the kilogram, kilogram. Um, and it's, it's a physical thing in a safe and so that's the standard for what that measurement of weight is. And no matter what you do outside of that, it's not going to change. That is the standard. So if we think about God as the standard of goodness, um, we can't say he's not good any more than I can say that that weight in that safe isn't a correct kilogram. It is the standard of it, right? It's right. the original. But I think it's easy for us to look at our circumstances, our lives, find goodness there, and make that the standard. Yes. It and makes that's me- a dangerous road. And right. this is totally a tangent, but it makes me think, is there like a foot somewhere that like is also the standard of our foot? An actual foot? Like of an okay. ancient prince or something? <laughs> I don't Sorry. That's a good question. Like, there's got to be a standard, right? Or else, I mean, whose foot? Yeah. You know? Well, and that, that God is good is, and so if I asked you guys, is there pure evil in the world? Have you seen pure evil in the world? I think most of us would say, well, yeah. I mean, there, I mean there's some pretty evil things out there. So if that exists, then we have to believe that there's pure goodness mm. in the world. And I don't think anybody would say that they found that inside the walls of this of this um, body, of this earth, of this experience. We've seen glimpses of it. And I would say regardless of whether somebody's a Christ follower or not, anytime I see goodness, I know where it comes from. Mm. Yeah, I know where it comes from. And even if that person who's being good is living out a good life, they don't recognize where it comes from. It doesn't mean it comes from somewhere else. It just means that they haven't seen it yet. They don't know that goodness comes from the God who is good at his core. And I think that's been really helpful for me as I've processed pain and suffering. It's like those glimpses of heaven. I think C.S. Lewis writes extensively on on the glimpses and the faintness of, of we get a taste of what's to come. We get a taste of the goodness of God and it stirs something in us. We're not there yet. We don't, we're not, enveloped in it yet, but there's something rumbling in our spirits that yeah, says that it's psalm, out there. That psalm I mentioned this weekend, taste and see that the Lord is good. It, sometimes it is just a taste. Sometimes it is just a glimpse. Um, and is that enough to believe? Um, when when Thomas saw the, 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 the hands of Jesus, he believed. Um, and then Jesus says, hey, if you, you, uh, if you don't see that and you still believe, that's better. And I think that's our experience now is we don't get to see Jesus in the flesh. And so we have to believe without sometimes seeing, um, you know, all the glimpses of God's goodness. Is there a, um, a cultural difference? And I, I'm assuming the answer is yes, but it, the cult, describe the cultural difference of goodness. I feel like we're surrounded by a definition of goodness, maybe versus God's definition of goodness because we we've been raised with disney movies that say happily ever after uh we yeah on tv all the time or the internet kind of pleasure first please yourself some people might equate that with goodness 
can you can you at all explore kind of the difference between our cultural definition of goodness and God's definition? Yeah, if we assume that um, that my life is good based on um, finding the right person, on you know falling in love, on having all the financial resources, and that and if that's our definition of goodness, and those things don't happen. Well, God must not be good. So there is absolutely, and then I look, I go to Africa, and I see they they have a completely different view of goodness, of what's good for them, and it's way less than what's good for us. I mean, if yeah. we got what they got, we would not say it's good. Right. They do say it's good. So if the, even culturally, if there's those distinctions, how is God? Does God go up and down? God's better. Is God better to us? Is He more good with us than with Africans? See that that's where it gets a little yeah, that's where it gets convoluted because because God is good. Period. He's he is good. So that and he is the perfect example of goodness. There is no one else what does the Bible say there's no one else that is good compared to God. He's not saying that there's no one good. He's just like <laughs> when you put God in like the like the weight, yeah. That is the No standard. one measures up. No one measures up to that goodness. And and we're not supposed to. It's not like, well, we're supposed to, I'm supposed to be better. I'm bo- I got to get better. I got to get better. It's like, no, that's not that's not the purpose of it. In him is goodness. That's 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 who he is. And he's faithful in that. I mean, we all have experienced the day where we're like, wow, I just, you know, maybe you gave something to somebody that needed it or you had a kind word or whatever. Something really worked out and you were like, I was an agent of goodness today. Yeah. And then an hour later, yes. you're in that meeting. <laughs> yep. And you're just the agent of the opposite side, you know. And so our faithfulness in our own goodness is because we're flawed. But God is, the, like Evan was saying, the gold standard of this. He doesn't and fail. And imagine if you want to be g- more good in life. I'm not going to say better because that makes it sound like you know we're, we're worse or better and all of that. But if you want to be more good, get closer to the one that is good. The source, right? Right, the source of goodness. And I think that's, that's the essence of our message in the church is to get closer to God. And it seems like what you're saying is many times we look in the wrong places for goodness. We're looking at circumstances to prove the goodness of God, but that's, if he is good, then we got to look at the other characteristics that the Bible teaches us that he is and look for those things, that he is merciful, that he is just, that he is, I mean, that's where his goodness expresses itself. Not God makes me comfortable. God makes my, uh, you know, all my bills paid on time every week. Right. You know, we got to look in the right places. Yeah. Like for us, when Chase died and we question, I questioned God's goodness, how could he be good if he allowed that to happen? Um, and the, on the far side of this, cause I'm, I'm a year over a year, um, um, on, on the other side of it, there's, I, I look at it and go, wait, God was with me through that. Doesn't that mean he's good? I mean, if he decided to check out, in my most desperate time of need, if he decided to leave me in it, I would have to. I would. I would still be in this place of questioning the goodness of God. But I. But I'm not questioning his goodness because he allowed my son to die. I am affirmed in his goodness because he was with me through the darkest moment of my life. And I think that it's where you look. It's where you put your eyes. It's, 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 you get to decide where you want to put your attention. You know, and a lot of people will go, well, I know God was with you, man, but he allowed that to happen. And that's what I'm going to put my attention on. Well, you're just going to live in this place of, you know, anxiety and stress and discomfort and, and not believing God is good your entire life. And that's not good. It's not going to do anything for you. 
I think of uh, the story um, of the author of It Is Well With My Soul, you know, loses his daughters in a horrible sinking of a ship. And then after that, in the light of that writes, you know, when peace like a river attendeth my way, it is well with my soul. And um, when I hear that story, when I see your life, for me, I'm like, how, how do you stand up after, after that kind of tragedy and still trust in the goodness of God? But it seems to me, it's not something you can stand away from and look at somebody else like, oh, I think I would do that. Or I think I would walk away. (laughs) It takes walking through it to be able to say with conviction that God is good. And I'll be honest, Evan, I think the church we've done a, you know, we know God is good. So we take this theological concept that God is good. And then we expect Christians who suffer to get to that place right now. Like, I had people, I mean, literally within a month of my son dying, say, but God is good, right? And I'm like... I'm not sure. I know what you're saying. I know you're saying this theologically, and I understand that, but but we have to get to that place. You don't just... I, I don't take anything with the Bible and just go, well, okay, that's that. I have to work it out. I mean... If it's, if I don't work it out, it's not in me. Right. It's just something that some guy, you know, from my childhood up in a pulpit told me, and I just what I just going to believe it, hook, line, and sinker, or am I going to wrestle with it and get into it and like, you know, and maybe God maybe God allows bad things to happen sometimes to us so that we can wrestle with these theological truths that are actually really, really important. And I, and I get, I'll be honest, you guys can hear frustration in my voice. I get really frustrated with people when they say so flippantly and quickly after tragedy, but God works all things out for good. Man, tell, tell me that after something happens to you Mm. right after, and you can't, if you're honest, if you're honest about your faith, that's why Thomas, I brought up Thomas this last weekend. He was honest about his faith. People kept telling him, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And he's like, I, I haven't seen him. I've got questions. I've got questions, you guys. And I, I got to see him. And Jesus was gracious enough to show himself to Thomas. But then he did turn around and say, but blessed are those who believe and don't see. And I want, I wonder sometimes if God is challenging me to believe, even if I don't see the goodness of God in the land of the living, as that last psalm I read this last weekend. Will I still believe? Because I think our belief in God, as Americans especially, is so dependent on whether life is working out. I think your example in that, Steve, might be good for some pastors and leaders out there, how you've led through your own tragedy and your own questions. Um, What it's done in our congregation is allowed it, I think, to be a safe place. So, hey, if you're here, you're part of this community, but you— don't feel like you can say God is good right now. Yeah, then that's that's okay. It is absolutely yeah. okay. It is absolutely okay. He nothing. He's he's good. Okay, so th- it's not like my my unbelief in him and his goodness is somehow going to taint God. Right. You know, it's not. And actually, my wrestling with it, what I've found, Casey, is that my wrestling with the goodness of God has drawn other people into a faith relationship with God that's, mm-hmm. that's just not rote. Yeah. It's, not, it's not by the book. It's like their own, their own conversation, their own journey, their own walk with Christ. That's a beautiful thing, I think. It reminds me of, oh, there's so many passages in Scripture where people are walking through wilderness. You know, and Jesus is even led away into the wilderness. 
Um, and so, yeah, in, in the wilderness, things don't always make sense out there. You, you can feel, uh, I don't know, dry. You can feel like the questions aren't answered. You don't have all the resource you need, but God's doing something in you in that season that he couldn't do in any other time. Um, and so, and I think that's part of the, the pressing and the squeezing of hardship is there's just something, and I've seen this, I think Evan and I have both seen this as we've watched you preach over the last year, just, um, God is, he's producing something new in you through all of that. And, um, and that's also hard to hear, you know, cause it's like, <laughs> like I would have, I would chose to, something else. Happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not the ideal situation, but you know, this is where we're at. Yeah. So, and then now, and I wouldn't have said this back then, right? But now I can say it. I I can say it that God is working everything out hmm. for good, even that. And if somebody had told me that, you know, week one, week four, even year one, um, I would have been like, oh, you guys, I'm not there yet. I'm just not there hmm. yet. But today I am. And maybe tomorrow I won't be. Maybe tomorrow something will hit me and I'll be like, oh man, God, I just can't see the good, your goodness in this. All right, all right, wait. I got to keep, I'm just going to keep pressing forward. I'm not going to like hightail it because where am I going to go? Yeah. I mean, Peter said to Jesus, I mean, where else are we going to go? Peter, he, Jesus turns to him after yeah. everybody's left him and he turns to Peter and says, you're going to leave me too? And Peter's like, where, where else do I go? I mean, there's nowhere else yeah. that offers what you offer. Hmm. And that's been my experience is that even if my experience doesn't line up with knowing God is good, um, he offers that. Nobody else does. Nobody else, no, there's no other system, there's no other religion, there's nothing that offers what he offers. And so in those dry, just desperate moments, I lean back into that and go like, okay, I don't see it, uh, but I'm going to move in that, in that relationship. That Romans 8 passage, I think when we think of it as a bumper sticker, it's offensive. But when we think about it, written by Paul, where he's at, writing from arrest in Rome, having gone through shipwrecks and persecution and beatings and all this, uh, it, it brings that like gravitas to what he says. You know, he's, he has walked through deep suffering, the loss of all things. And he writes, for we know that God works all things. And, uh, I think we, we as church people need to remember that when we yeah. flippantly throw these things yeah. out, like you're saying, um, make sure that we know the context that right. this is coming from. Right. He had been beaten how many times? Close to death how many yeah. times? Thrown in prison how many times? Shipwrecked how many times? Yeah. You're absolutely right. And we do throw that stuff around um, in, you know, really, really easily when he wrote it with great agony. Yeah. Because um, it was coming and it was being birthed out of out of his own suffering. And I think that's the power of the goodness of God is that so often when you, when you get a revelation that God is good, it, it almost always comes out of suffering. It's not in the good times. Listen, that yeah. that's a shallow view of God. Yeah. If you think God is good when everything is working, but when you get to a place where you believe God is good, when things aren't looking that way, that's a deep, deep and very profound level of faith. Boot camp. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it proves you. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I just appreciate that so much, Steve, that you would say, you would just allow people to be honest. Yeah. You know, and um, I think, what would you say to somebody out there right now that is literally in the muck and mire of a hardship and that this question is at the forefront? I mean, I think life? the first thing I would tell them, um, because I know I was tempted to give up on God, to tell them don't. 
don't give up on God. Even when his representatives here, the church, say stupid things. And they do. And we do. Right? We do. We do. But don't give up on God. Because there isn't there isn't anywhere else that offers life and a way through. And there's nobody that, like, in Psalm 23, I mean, David is saying, that, I mean, God, you walked with me through the valley of the shadow of death. There you are. You're there. He's not standing above it. He's not, you know, trying to teach us a lesson. You know, you better learn it this time yeah. or else there's another one coming. He's, like, in that. And I, I remember, like, on my face, weeping before God in my brokenness. And my view of God in that moment, a vision that I feel like I got from, was him on his face weeping with me. Mm-hmm. What? Wow. <laughs> Who else does this? You know? Yeah. Humans don't even do this. Yeah. It's not in us. I mean, it's in us, but we have a really hard time getting to that place where God is, I found, I discovered even in that place that if I drew near to him, he drew near to me, and, and, and I would tell that person, don't give up on God. Man. Go run to Him. Run to Him, and you may not feel His feel His presence. You may not sense that He's there because there was dark moments for me. Um, but don't give up on it. Don't mm. give up on it because He's there. He is there. He will walk with you, and He is walking with you, even if you don't perceive Him. And uh, and just keep running to Him. I I found myself filling my 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 head and my my house with worship music with you know just songs that I couldn't sing yet. But they were there. They were in the background, and it was just this an atmosphere. Um, don't stop going to church. Go to church more often. You know, a good church that that brings you into the presence of God. And there's a lot of them in Central Oregon yeah. and around the world. This, you know, it's not just our church. It's like get into the presence of God, no matter no matter whether you're feeling it or not. Let it just soak around you, because hmm. He is good, and you'll experience His goodness in the land of the living if you'll stick it out. And I, and I can say that now. 14 months later. And it's through these these points of suffering in our lives that God's goodness is learned and and you know experienced. And yet, do we believe that God causes it or brings it about intentionally when horrible things happen? Right, yeah, that's a whole other oh. deal, Evan, that I, I'm, I'm writing a book, Casey knows about it, um, the series that I did earlier this year about walking in the dark, and one of the chapters is going to be on God's sovereignty. Yeah. Because... Um, yeah. Anyways, I don't think we have time today. But if God is if God is good and not all powerful, really, I mean, you know, is He just a benevolent deity that really can't do anything for me? I don't know if I want to follow Him. But if He's but if He's um, all powerful and evil or not good, yeah, I'm running to the hills. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to try to hide from Him. So for me, He has to be both. Yeah. Yeah. Which means He He does He does allow things. Maybe even causes things. I, uh, to be honest, Evan, I haven't gotten, I haven't figured that yeah. one out yet. When it comes to, comes to my son's death, hmm. but I, but I, but I know that he could have stopped it. Hmm. I know that he could have stopped it. So if he's not good, I'm out. Hmm. I'm out. I'm not. I'm, I'm going to go do something else. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I've come to this place where I see God as both all powerful and good, and that has given me uh, a sense of purpose in walking through the suffering that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, these are big, deep waters, um, both to walk through, obviously, but then even to, to preach about and preach on. And I think the church really benefits uh, when we go here, when you go here um, and, and walk through this um, for everybody. So, um, so good, Steve. Thank you for your um, time today. And uh, we'll come back next week 
Uh, I think it's me, actually. We'll be here next week talking about Great. my message on repentance. So Yeah, is Ben back? Uh, ben will be back, yeah. All right. Yeah, Come so on, we'll, Ben. We'll do that. But anyway, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we're online at behindthemessage.org. <laughs>